the, uh, the first thing I want to talk about in this message today, and this is a very novel idea, a very fresh idea. You might have never even heard this idea before, but I want to talk about what if I obeyed God? I mean, there's some, write that down. Write that down in your notes. What if I obeyed God? You know, a lot of people um, have, a, have just a wrong perception of God. Um, you know, they think God is a big party pooper. He didn't want anybody having fun. He didn't want anybody enjoying themselves. And he's created a lot of thou shalts and a lot of thou shalt nots because he wants to control us. He wants to keep us under control. I want to tell you that is not at all the God we serve. If you will read your Bible, he is so clear about us wanting us to enjoy our lives. I can show you scripture after scripture after scripture where he tells us he wants us to enjoy our lives. He tells us not to worry. He tells us that he's going to take care of us. He says, the only thing I need you to do in order for me to bless you the way I want to bless you is I need you to live within the perimeter, within the perimeters of my word, within the, within the boundaries of my word. He said, I'm going to tell you not to do some things, and I'm going to tell you to do some things, because you know what God is? He's a daddy. And that's what daddies do. Isn't that right? Do y'all remember back in the old days when all daddies had to do was look at you? You remember that? And you didn't need any explanation because the eyes said it all. And my dad was a great dad and is a great dad. And, um, you know, I knew, I knew what was right and I knew what was wrong. I knew what I could do and I knew what I couldn't do. And I knew that none of the rules my dad had. Now, early in my life, I may have thought uh, wrong about that. But later as I grew up, I realized that everything my dad told me not to do and everything my dad told me to do was for my good. It was for my good. It wasn't to control me. It wasn't to deprive me. And you say, well, you know, I got a college education, man. And uh, my mom and dad, they don't have college education. Matter of fact, my dad didn't even graduate from high school and all that. And, and so how can he tell me something? Well, you know, it's like, um, it's like if your parents left to go on a trip. Maybe all of you were headed to Texas. You were going to take a road trip, and they left a few days before you. And then they call back, and they go, hey, man, uh, you want to take this road, and you want to avoid this area because they're doing construction. Oh, man, we checked out this really cool restaurant. You're going to want to eat there on the way here, and you're going to want to avoid this area and avoid that, and you're going to want to make sure you do this and you, 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 uh, you see this side or whatever. See, it's not because they're smarter. It's because they're a little further down the road. And that's how you need to view your parents. And I'm going to tell you teenagers who are here today. Uh, you know, that's when we think our parents are the dumbest. And then as we come out of our teenage years, it's amazing how much smarter our parents get. Isn't it amazing how much smarter they get? And by the time we get 25, 30 years old, man, they're some of the smartest people we ever met. And we just are so proud of them for the way they've grown and developed and, and really become smarter. 
So, so who's the one changing there? It's you changing, isn't it? And when you first become a Christian or before you're a Christian, man, you get all these messed up ideas about God. And I got to tell you, some of those messed up ideas about God come from bad teaching in a lot of churches. And I'm not here to pick on churches today. You guys know we love other churches and support them. But I've heard bad teaching. Can I really be honest? I've done some bad teaching. Because it was kind of what I always thought God was like. And so I would tell, and I just painted this picture of God being so uh, um, kind of angry, you know, and bossy and wanting to show everybody he runs things. But then as I grew, I, I realized he was a dad. He was a father. And every thou shalt and every thou shalt not was for my good. Do I still struggle with this flesh? Oh, boy. Absolutely, I do. Absolutely. You know, I, um, I was thinking about uh, a few years ago, I heard a statement I'd never heard before. We were talking about people serving in the church. You guys know we're always challenging you to get involved and serve. And hey, when you see people wearing those test drive t-shirts, walk up and pat them on the back and say, thanks for joining the team because they're test driving a ministry. And you can test drive one of our ministries here and see how you like it. But we hope you'll serve. But I was talking about that, and a lady said, well, I don't mind serving, but I, and I'd never heard this before. She said, I don't want to be voluntold. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? I don't want to be voluntold. I said, okay, let me write that down. Now I wrote it down, went and looked it up. And uh, I realized that, you know, she was saying, hey, if I get in this, I want to get in it. I don't want any pressure. I don't want, you know, I don't want anybody come and tell me what I'm going to do, and you know, that's okay in human relationships to say, I don't want to be voluntold. It's okay to have that discussion. But I see people saying that to God. I see people reading the Bible and I see people listening to sermons and going, you know, when it comes to this topic, I don't want to be voluntold. I'll decide what I want to do in this area. And I could name a lot of areas. You know the culture we live in. How many of y'all are seeing, you know, what used to be so obviously wrong is now kind of murky, you know. might be wrong for you, but it might be okay for this guy. And I got to tell y'all something. You got an old school preacher up here. Man, I don't think God has any gray areas. I think it's right and wrong. And I'm going to just be honest with you. I think what used to be wrong is still wrong. I think what used to be right is still right. We may change, and the culture around us may change, but the Bible says there's no shadow of turning in the Lord. He changeth not. He doesn't change. But again, you have to understand that those rights and wrongs are for our good. They're for our good. It's not to control us. So I want to just read some scriptures to you today. I just... Um, prayed and asked God to give me some verses that, that kind of reveal that the reason God wants us to obey him, get this, is so he can bless us the way he wants to. I mean, think about your parents. Think about your parents. If you grew up in a healthy home and had a healthy relationship with your dad, I mean, the reason he wanted you to obey him is because he wanted you to have the best life you could have. And the reason he said, no, sir, you're not going there. No, ma'am, you're not going there. No, sir, you're not hanging around them. No, ma'am, you're not hanging around them. And, uh, you know, when you broke the rules, your dad came in and said, tell you what, buddy, you're home for the next two weeks. 
or, or some other kind of discipline or correction was brought into your life. My daddy knew how to dance. How many of you, your daddy knew how to dance? My daddy take one hand and he'd take this hand. And we'd dance, man. We'd da- he'd lead and I'd follow. It was awesome. So let me tell you kids something. If you, if you got parents who still spank, and again, you might be one of those parents who say, I don't spank my kids. I just want to tell you we know. And, um, and <laughs> that was wrong. That was just wrong, wasn't it? That was wrong. <laughs> yeah, we see them walking around. That's okay. Um, but uh, let me tell you kids, now this is really good. Now, you, you kids, listen. If they're just, when you're getting that spanking, man, here's what you do. Come in close. You don't want to get out there on the end of that thing. Come in close because they get fearful that they're going to hit their self and they'll calm down. That's just a tip. I'm here to be a blessing. I'm here to, I'm here. These are things I've learned through the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flee, youthful lust. All right. Um, let me give you a few quotes. George McDonald said, these are some of my favorite writers and uh, some of them are um, uh, old guys from the past that are in heaven now, but I just love what they said about obedience. George MacDonald said, I find doing the will of God leaves me no time for disputing with him about his plans. So if we're busy doing, we don't have a lot of time to complain, do we? Can I just tell you, in life, People who are busy and people who are productive and people who are working, you don't hear many complaints out of them, do you? You know why? They don't have time. They're too busy being productive. Now, I know you guys don't need this, but the second service people, they need this message. So I'm just practicing on you guys. But isn't that true? Isn't that true? When people are busy doing the will of God, they don't have time to dispute with him about his plans. Benjamin Franklin He was talking about Christmas. He said, how many observe Christ's birthday, but how few observe his precepts, his truths, his teachings? Oswald Chambers, best devotional ever written is called My Utmost for His Highest. And I I bought that back in the day when it was written in the old language because that was written way back there. And man, that thing was hard to understand. So I would read some of those devotions over and over and over, which was good. But now they have that devotional, and they've taken it and put it into a more modern language, the way we talk today. So I'm telling you right now, I don't know if we got this in the bookstore or not, but if you want a great devotional, I'm telling you the best devotional other than the one we give you free every quarter, the best devotional you can buy is my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers. And here's what Oswald Chambers said. He said, beware of reasoning about God's word. Just obey it. Beware reasoning and talking and, uh, you know, just uh, getting into long discussion. He said, when you know what God wants you to do, just do it. Just obey him. Because sometimes... We will replace obedience with, well, I got some questions about that. And you answer them, I got some more questions about that. And then you kind of realize the reason that person has so many questions about that is because they really don't want to do it. 
That's what Oswald Chambers was talking about. Jim Elliott is a modern-day Christian martyr who gave his life in Africa uh, for the gospel. He said, when you, why do you need a voice when you have a verse? I thought that was pretty good. Andrew Murray, one of the greatest preachers, writers, any book by Andrew Murray that you can get hold of, just excellent, excellent stuff. He's gone on to be with the Lord, I believe. But uh, what a great writer and preacher he was. Listen to this. Just as a servant knows that he must first obey his master in all things, so the surrender to an implicit and unquestionable obedience must become the essential characteristic of our lives. That is a great quote. And if you'll use that email address I gave you, and ask for the notes. You have that. You won't have to worry about writing that down. We'll be glad to send you these sermon notes. Now let's go to the Bible and just look at a few verses here that talk about God challenging us to obey him so he can bless us. He says, the only reason I want you to obey me, just like a dad, just like your dad, the only reason I want you to obey me is because I want the best for you. I want to be able to bless you. So look what it says in Exodus 23 and 22. The messenger, here it says, my messenger, that was an angel in this particular context. It was an angel God had sent to speak. He said, if you listen carefully to what he, my messenger, says, and everybody say that next word. Do how much? That I what? So there it is right there. If you will listen carefully to my messenger and do all that I say, listen to this, listen to this, I will be an enemy to your enemies. That's huge right there. If God be for me, who can be against me? I will be an enemy to your enemies, and I will oppose those who oppose you. If you do what? If you do all that I say. And I know you're out there going, you can't, I can't do all that God says. Pastor, I mess up all the time. I fail all the time. He knows that. He knows that. You're going to fail. You're not going to always do all that he says. Here's the deal God's looking for. He's looking for a heart that yearns to do his will. He's looking for a heart that when you don't do his will, you own it. and go, I messed up right there. God, I rebelled against you right there. God, I knew what you wanted me to do, and I did something else, and I humbled myself before you. God, draw me closer to you. Make me a stronger Christian because I want to do your will, and the reason I want to do your will is because I know that's best for me. I know it's best for my family. I know it's best for my community, my home. Look at Joshua 1, verse 7. This is one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible. <laughs> Joshua 1, 7, last part of verse 7. Do not turn from it. And he's talking there about the word of God, the truth of God, God's commands. Do not turn from God's commands to the right or to the left so that, obey me so that you may have what? Wherever you go. I want to bless you. But in order for me to bless you, you've got to get lined up. You got to get lined up. Like one old preacher said, you got to get under the spout where the Spirit's coming out. Isn't that right? Look what it says in Proverbs 16, 7. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, God, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. 
makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Look at uh, Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, 10, 11. If you spend yourself, if you spend yourself not arguing and not debating and not trying to find an excuse, if you will spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, and isn't that what the bridge is about? Did y'all see that article in the, church, in the paper last Sunday? Was it last Sunday or Sunday before? Can we just give it up for our Kentucky team? Awesome, man. Awesome. Give it up for our Belize team too. Amen, because that's what that is right there. If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will be become like the noonday. Look at the next one. The Lord will guide you always. This is what happens when we obey. This is what happens when we line up with him. This is what happens when our heart is like his heart. He said, then I promise you, I will guide your ways. I will satisfy your needs. How about that? If you will be about others' needs, I'll satisfy your needs. What did Jesus say? Over there in Matthew chapter 6, I believe it is. He said, seek ye first what? The kingdom of God, and I will add all that stuff you're worried about. He said, I'll just add that to you, but put me first. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Now, that's, that's a, a, a picture there. He's not really talking about literally satisfying your needs in a desert, a literal desert, although he certainly will do that, and we've seen illustrations in Scripture where he did do that. He's saying when your life is in a dry place, when your nation is in a dry place, when your community is dry when it comes to me, when your culture doesn't honor me anymore, when your culture doesn't praise me anymore, when, you're, when you get... When you get people who are mad because a policeman wants to put on his car in God we trust, and you're going to march about that, and, and then you're going to let other things go that are, that are filthy and wrong. When you live in that kind of culture, when you live in a sun-scorched land, if you're obedient to me, I will satisfy your needs in that desert place. That's good stuff right there. I'm telling you what God's promising you right there. He's saying, I don't care how bad it gets in this world. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how bad it gets politically. I don't care how bad it gets with ISIS. I don't care how bad it gets with all these terrorists and all these threats and all this stuff going on in the world. He says, if you will put me first, I'll take care of you in the middle of the desert. Man, what a word. What a word from God. Because I think sometimes we look at the news and we look at all this going on in the world and we get depressed just like somebody who don't know God. Cut that stuff out, man. God says you, you, you give your life to me. You surrender your life to me. You live your life in bounds, in the boundaries of God's word. And man, I will satisfy your needs in a, in a godless culture. I'll take care of you. Man, I just got to pause right there. That's better than I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, I think about Elijah. When all of, of the area was in a drought, three years of drought, the Bible says God put Elijah up on a mountain by the brook Cherith, and he sat there by that brook, 
and he had fresh water when nobody else had water. The Bible says ravens brought him sausage biscuit in the morning and ham biscuit in the evening. I, I was telling you what the Bible says. It says bread and flesh. <laughs> Who stopped and got some bread and flesh on the way here? I hear you. So that bird would bring in that biscuit and sausage in the morning and ham biscuit at night, and there was that brook. And Here's what I'm saying to you. While everybody else was in a famine, while everybody else was in famine, Elijah said, I'll stand for God. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do what God wants. And God gave him plenty of water and plenty of food. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you know when, when you are enjoying something and all of a sudden it's gone? It's usually because God's got something better for you. Because the bird quit coming. And the Bible says the brook dried up. And then God came to Elijah and said, hey, don't worry. I know the brook dried up. I know the birds aren't coming with the sausage biscuits anymore. He said, but there's a woman down in Zarephath. And he said, you're going to go down there, and she's going to cook you up a hot biscuit. Do you all know this story in the Bible? So he came down off that mountain and went into her home, and she had a little bit of bread, a little bit of meal, a little bit of flour, and a little bit of oil. And she said, he came into her house and said, um, you know, God told me to come here and you would cook for me. She said, well, I got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And she said, we'll cook that and then we'll die. That's what she said. Because she said, you know, I've eaten some stuff that I thought I was going to die right after I ate it. But I think what she was saying was, I've had some Mexican. I thought sure I was going to die. When I, <laughs> but let me, let's get back to the Bible. Let's get back to the Word of God. And, and so, so, Elijah said, you obey God, I'm going to obey God. And every time she went back to that barrel, there was meal there. And every time she went back to that barrel, there was oil there. And God increased it and blessed it so much they had to go borrow vessels to pour it in. Do y'all hear me? Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Listen to me. I don't care what the stock market does. I don't care what your job does. I'm telling you right now, if you will line yourself up with God and commit yourself to God, and God's not a party pooper, he wants you to enjoy your life. A lot of you think, if I line up with God, the party's over. No, man, it's just beginning. And if you will line your life up with God, when everybody else who rejects him is in famine, he will take care of you. I'm telling you, sometimes, guys, amen, amen. Sometimes, sometimes I'm up here preaching and I'm just preaching and I'm preaching what God gave me. And there are moments when the Holy Spirit goes, pause right there and dig down in that and make sure they get that. And that was just one of those moments right there. I didn't mean to talk that long on that. He said, he will, he will strengthen your frame. He will strengthen you in the midst of a sun-scorched land. You will be like a well-watered garden. We're still talking about that sun-scorched land now. But in that sun-scorched land, because you obeyed, because you lined up with God, you will be like a well-watered garden. Isn't that something? While everybody else is suffering, while everybody else is hopeless, while everybody else is falling apart, you're walking in peace because God's with you every day because you've lined your life up with him. 
He says, you'll be like a spring whose waters never fail. And then let me give you one more from the New Testament book of John. Look what Jesus said. Jesus said, a lot of people say they love me. He said, but if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. People tell me all the time, I just don't understand the Bible. If you don't get that right there, you need to go back to the first grade. That's easy as pie right there. You know what that's saying. You line up with God, he's going to take care of you. So at the bridge, every September, we do a sermon series on money. Calm down, easy, don't be applauding so loud. We do a series on money, and here's what we talk about every September. We talk about um, God's material financial blessings in our lives and how we are to manage them, how we're to steward them. All that he's provided for us, how are we to manage those things? Now, let me say something to our first-time guest. If, <laughs> I'm sorry. If you are here today for the first time, you are right now going of all Sundays to visit. He's going to talk about money today. Or you're going to go away and go, everything I've heard about the bridge is true. All they talk about is money at that church. Matter of fact, it's gotten out on us here at the bridge that when you join this church, when you become an owner, we want a copy of your tax returns. We want a copy of your W-2 form, and we will tell you what you're supposed to be giving in this church. I love that idea, but we don't do that. We don't do that, I'm telling you. That's a lie, but that's been told on us. Um, so if you're here for the first time, let, let me just say this to you. You're here, maybe you're visiting from another church. If you're visiting from another church, then think of this message in terms of the church you attend. Don't think of it in terms of this church. Think of it in terms of the church you attend. And you go back and practice the things we're going to talk about today at your home church. Um, some of you have not decided that the bridge is going to be your church. You've been coming for a little while, and so far you like it, and so far it's okay, but you haven't really decided. Um, then, then that message is not, this message is not for you either in direct relation to the bridge. I think all Christians ought to be givers. We teach tithing in this church. I know a lot of people don't agree with the 10% thing and the tithing, and that's okay. Matter of fact, if you don't agree with that, come up after the service, and I'll forgive you. But... Um, if you're here and you hadn't decided, then, then you're praying about that. You put that money wherever God tells you to put that. But if you have named the bridge as your church, you say, well, I'm not an owner yet. A lot of people like to cop out by saying, I haven't become an owner. But you're a Christian, and you've said the bridge is going to be my church. Then this message is for that group. Okay? So don't go away offended. Don't go away hurt and um, some people, you know, when I preach, I get three reactions when I talk about money. Some people get bent out of shape. They'll send me unsigned messages. and I've even had people leave our church. I've had people who loved our church, loved everything about it. And the moment we mentioned money, they said, I'm gone. I'm out of here because I want to go to a church that don't ever talk about money. And I'll tell you something, there are a lot of those churches. 
But we're going to talk about money in this church because Jesus talked about it a lot. As a matter of fact, Jesus had more to say about money and managing your money and, and having the right attitude uh, towards your money than any other person in the Bible. And if Jesus put a big emphasis on it, we're going to talk about it here. Um, then I have some people who, um, who tell me my theology's wrong, you know, and they've got a different theology. And you know what? Hey, listen, whatever you work out with God, that's, that's between you and God. We, we've got a way we teach it here. We've got a way we preach it. We've got a way we believe it. And that's what we're going to preach. But if you came from another system, you came from another background, and you are settled that your understanding of how you're supposed to give is kind of different than what we teach here, hey, we can still be brothers and sisters. We don't have to part over that. And so you might have a little different twist on it than we do. Some people have never heard any teaching on money because I'm going to be just really blunt with you. A lot of preachers just aren't going to touch it. They're just not going to touch the subject because it is so controversial. And uh, they don't want to be accused of begging for money. And they, want, they don't want to be accused of, of getting in front of the church and always talking about money. We, we don't talk about money very much here. We mention it uh, in September in this sermon series called What If, and then you'll hear some more in May. We'll talk some about it, but those are the two times a year we're going to talk about money. And we may mention it in a sermon, or you may read something about it in a brochure, but listen to me, listen to me, listen. What you give, it's not between you and me. What you give isn't between you and the church board here or you and some staff member. What you give is between you and God. Now, I've made a decision here at the church, and a lot of pastors don't agree with this decision. Um, but I don't look at what people give. I don't know what people give. I, I just don't think that's really, to be honest with you, I don't think that's, that's something I need to look at. Now, I do know who our top givers are, but I don't know what they give. But um, I, I just have never felt comfortable just going to the books and going, he gives that and he gives that and he gives that. You know, I'm human, and I, I have a little concern that if I know all that, I might treat somebody differently. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a human being, and I don't want to treat anybody different. Because the person that gave $500 last year, that might have been harder for them than the person that gave $15,000 last year. And so I think it's really, really important that, that that be between you and God. But I'm going to tell you what God said. So I love it when people humble themselves before the Word of God and examine their life honestly. And maybe they pray something like this. This is what I would hope you would pray during this series. I would hope you'd say, God, I want to be obedient to you in every part of my life. Please speak to my heart directly. I've listened to Pastor Farrell's messages. I've heard other pastors' messages on giving. Now, Lord, I need you to speak to my heart about what you want me to do with the money and resources you have provided for me and my family. Now, why do we get such a strong response when we talk about money? I think one of the reasons we get such, such a strong response when we talk about money at church is because one of the most profound things Jesus ever said was about our material stuff. And I'm going to put it in the Pharaoh Hardison version today. But in Luke uh, 12 and 34 and Matthew 6 and 21, this is basically what Jesus said, excuse me.
What you do with your money reveals your heart. Jesus said, what you do with your money reveals your heart. And you know what Jesus was really saying? He was saying, Pharaoh Hardison, let's talk right here. Let's, let's talk about me. Uh, let's don't talk about me pointing at you. Let's talk about me. Pharaoh Hardison, what you do with your money reveals your heart. Listen to this. Jesus said, toward me. Jesus said, Pharaoh, what you do with the resources I've given you. Because you know what? Some people go, I'll serve you, Lord. And they will. They'll serve. They'll work their fingers off, you know, work their fingers to the bone. And they're ready to go and they're ready to serve. But when it comes to money, there's like a, because that is so, it's like, man, you can't touch that. Can't touch this. I'm sorry. It just came to me. And it's like I'll serve in the church, I'll attend, I'll go, I'll sing, I'll lift my hands and worship. But boy, when you mention that money, something, something, this is a southern term, something bows up in me. Something rises up in me. I've seen the sweetest Christians, man. And boy, when you mention things the Bible says, but all of a sudden you just see them turn red. There's just something about our money. And Jesus said, I'm telling you, how you think about your money, what you do with your money. Really, your attitude toward your material resources and your finances reveals your heart toward me. Jesus was saying you can tell a lot about a man's character when you observe his reaction to money, whether that man has plenty or whether that man is in poverty. Now, this verse isn't going to come up on the screen, but if you're taking notes, jot this verse down, Luke 16, 10. You already know it. It's a very, very common verse. Jesus said, he who is faithful in a very little thing will be faithful in much. And he who is unrighteous or unfaithful in a very little thing will also be unfaithful in much. I heard a story about this big CEO of this huge company who had been watching a young man in his company and he just saw tremendous talent and tremendous ability in him. And he said, I'm going to take that guy out to lunch. I'm about to give him a big raise. I'm about to give him a big position because I tell you, he's got it on the ball. And they went out to eat lunch and they got in one of those cafeteria lines. I think it was at the place where they worked. They had a cafeteria there. And he saw that young man reach over and get pats of butter, little pats of butter, you know, that would be on the card back in the old days. And he said, and he took that butter and slipped it under his napkin. They were three cents apiece. And he slipped them under his napkin so the lady wouldn't see them. And when that CEO saw that, he just took the boy to lunch and told him, he said, man, you're doing a good job. And that's all he ever said. He never gave him the raise. He never gave him the position because he knew if you're unfaithful with three pats of butter, you're going to be unfaithful if I put you in a position of great power and great finances. Amen, amen. amen. That's a word of God right there, man. That's what Jesus said. So to make it practical, here's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, you know that next raise you're hoping for? You know that raise you think you're going to get that you also think is going to get you out of your current financial problems? Jesus says, you know what? More money could actually open the floodgate to wider problems for you and greater debt for you if you don't learn how to be a good steward of your present income. If you can't manage a little, Jesus says, then you wouldn't be able to manage a lot. You ever heard somebody say this? 
If I had a million dollars, I would. You know what you do with a million? The same thing you're doing with the hundred you got. You do the same thing with a million that you're doing with the 100 you got. If you're faithful in small things, you'll be faithful in big things. If you're unfaithful in small things, you'll be unfaithful in big things. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. More than anything else, a person's character and spiritual health will be revealed by his or her attitude toward money. Somebody once said that stewardship is that area of life that tells how men make money and how God makes men. I'm done. I'm finished preaching. Are y'all surprised? Don't anybody clap. Now listen, let me, tell you what, let me tell you the challenge I want to put before you today. And look, nobody, I'm going to put this challenge out there before you. Nobody's going to check up on you. Nobody's going to call you. Nobody's going to go look in the books. Nobody's going to do anything. This is between you and God. But this is the challenge I want to put before you. We've been doing this for several years. And we do it every September. And then on October the 8th, which is a Thursday night for a Thursday night service in Goldsboro, and all the Sunday services on October 13th, we're going to receive what we call an offering fit for the king. An offering fit for our king. And here's what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to give 10% of your income on that day. And here's why. Because in Malachi chapter 3, God said, just test me on this. Just test me. God said, God said, step out in faith. Give me one penny out of every dollar. I got to tell you, all that's a pretty good deal. Give me one dime, or give me one dime out of every dollar, I'm sorry. Give me one dollar out of every 10. Give me $10 out of every 100. He said, if you will do that, I will pour into your life incredible, amazing blessings. I hope you'll go to Malachi chapter 10. I'm sorry, chapter 3. A lot of people think that was an Italian writer called Malachi, but it's not. It's Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through uh, 12. So here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to go, well, okay, pastor said, pastor said we got to do it. No, here, I want you to work this out with God. I want you to go to God, and I want you to say, God, where am I? Where am I in my giving? Now, God, I want to be lined up with you, and I feel like I'm lined up in this area, in this area, in this area, but God, I'm not sure about my money. So I'm coming before you, and I'm asking you, Lord, not Pastor Farrell, not the bridge. I'm asking you, Lord, to speak to my heart about my finances and tell me exactly what you want me to do. And he will. He'll speak to you. He'll let you know. Now, for those of you who are already giving 10%, so on October 8th at Goldsboro and October 10th here, uh, October 13th, rather, here and, um, and at, um, at the Goldsboro campus on that Sunday. Is that right? Eight. It's 11th, isn't it? But if you give it on the 13th, we'll take it. All right? I just want to tell you. So on October 11th, then what you'll do is you'll come on that Sunday and we'll have a message. It'll be a brief message and we're going to put a table right up here at the front and instead of the offering being received that day normally, we're going to ask you to bring it. We're going to ask you to bring your offering and put it up here. We'll have two or three tables here. And, and this is a great time to teach your kids. This is a great time to call all your kids in and say, hey, 
hey man, this is what you know, pastors ask us to do and, and we're going to take that challenge and we're not going to ask the pastor what to do. We're going to all pray together as a family and you're going to teach your children about giving and, and then you're going to demonstrate it that day by coming and putting it in the offering. Now, last year, you guys were very generous. You know what you did on that Sunday? You did over $200,000 in one Sunday. Can I tell you that the first year I was the pastor of this church, the entire budget for the whole year was 65000 for the whole year. And you guys gave over 200000 in one Sunday. Now, when you did that, there were things we couldn't do. We wanted to upgrade the children's ministry. We wanted to upgrade some stuff with media. We wanted to upgrade some stuff at the Goldsboro campus. But we just didn't have it. But when you gave, we were able to go and upgrade children. We were able to do some things uh, on the campus here to make it more comfortable for you. We were able to do things with outreach that we hadn't been able to do. We were able to do things for missionaries we weren't able to do. And so, guys, there's, there's the challenge. Now, if you, if you already you say, man, I already give my 10%. Well, here's what I'm going to ask you to do because here's what I'm going to do. I do that too. I give my 10%. But I'm going to give a special offering that day above what I normally give. I'm going to give a special offering. And I don't want you to give till it hurts. I want you to give till it feels good. All right? And me and Millie's already decided what we're going to give. We've already decided. But here's what God does every time. I go, baby, we're going to give this. I'm so proud of myself. And then by the time we get to that date, we've already added to it. Because the Word just works in you and the Spirit just works in you. And we've never had to do without because we gave to God. We've never had to do without because we gave to God. Now, we may have had to do without some luxuries, but I've never gone hungry because I gave to God. I've never not had gas in my tank because I gave to God. I've never missed a house payment or a car payment because I gave to God. And so just take this challenge today and pray about it. And I beg you, please, you dads, you moms, especially you dads, become that spiritual leader in your house and call your family around you and say, here's the date, October 8th, October 11th. And the pastor said he'd take it on the 13th too. So we're going to pray and we're going to ask God what our family should give. And let the kids ask questions and let the kids discuss it. And then you talk about, use these scriptures that I put in the sermon today and say, here's what God said. And, and then read that Malachi scripture to them that says, where God said, try me. Just try me. See what I'll do. Obey me and just see what I'll do. What if we obey God in a way we never have before, what would happen? Because what we want you to do is not just give on that day, but we want you to take the next step in your giving. If you've been given a certain amount and you say, well, I just don't feel like I can jump to 10%, then you know what? Just jump, go to the next level. Just, just step up from what you've been doing and take that next step in your giving. Does that make sense? Let's all stand together.